Welcome back, everyone. We had quite a day today in the market. I like seeing it go up once in a while, and we closed out Friday on a good note. 2.4% for the Dow Jones, 2.3% gains in the S&P 500, and 2.31% for the NASDAQ. Overall, a pretty decent day. Meta was one of the outliers. Sorry for Meta investors. But the rest of the market did quite well. Now, I want to stay on a positive note, but I also think it's good to face reality. And one of the realities that I'm becoming more and more convinced of over time is we have a really good shot of going into recession next year. I know we heard the predictions earlier from Jamie Dimon saying that there's a decent chance we're headed into a recession in six to nine months. Well, Jamie Dimon is not the only one saying this. We have more and more executives, more businessmen, more strategists saying that they really think we're going into a recession next year. Here's a new interview with the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Listen to what he says about the future of the economy. I think it feels uncertain. And, you know, I... I um... I think there's no question we're tightening economic conditions relatively quickly. We're reversing what's been a very, very long period of relatively easy economic conditions. And as you do that, at some point, there's going to be a bigger impact on consumer behavior, on market behavior. You know, I think we've started to see that. But I think until we have a better trajectory on the direction of economic activity, it's hard to really know where markets settle. So I think it's time to be cautious. Um, If you look at If you look at what most economists are predicting, they're predicting slow to no growth in the U.S. They're predicting negative growth across other developed economies in Europe. And so that environment heading into 2023 is one that I think you've got to be cautious and prepared for. He says that you have to be cautious. In fact, he mentions the word cautious twice. And even though he doesn't explicitly say the word recession, he basically talks around it. He says the economy is going to slow down. Companies are going to struggle. The consumer is going to be pinched and to be cautious. So we have Jamie Dimon and we have David Solomon, the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Both say we're headed towards a recession. And then we get this one line off of Twitter from Jeff Bezos. Just yesterday, he tweeted, yep, the probabilities of this economy tell you to batten down the hatches. Pretty jarring line from Jeff Bezos, who, by the way, he's not a doomsdayer. He's not one of these broken clocks that's always predicting a recession week after week. This is, in fact, the first time that I've heard him give this really bearish take. So I think we can still be optimistic and try to hope that we don't go in a recession, but at the same time, we have to be prepared. There is a chance we could enter into a recession, and for many investors that follow this channel, for many newer investors, we really have no experience investing during a terrible recession, one like the Great Recession in 09. A lot of us don't have that experience. So I think rather than learning for the first time for ourselves, we should try to learn from history. And what I want to do in this episode is highlight a couple examples of companies that I think will weather the next recession really well. And you can factor this in into your investment decisions. So if you're looking at different companies to potentially invest in, you might want to keep this in the back of your mind. The first thing that I'd recommend doing is taking a screenshot of this compounder checklist. Use this as a reference. Compounders are companies that do particularly well during recessions. These are companies that are all weather. They can go through harsh environments and still gain revenue and still grow profits. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So we're looking at companies that will do well, that will position your portfolio well for a recession. I think we're looking at compounders. And I want to go through the strengths and weaknesses of different companies. The first thing on the list is strong franchise durability. An excellent example of a company that has strong franchise durability is Pepsi. This company owns Frito-Lay, they own Ruffles, they own Fritos, they own Doritos, they own Gatorade. They own so many different products that have brand value that it's incredibly difficult for consumers to avoid their products. And in most cases, consumers simply won't avoid their products. They have too much brand value. They have too much distribution. They're already so insulated from competitors and from economic downturns that Pepsi has this ability to generate profits in nearly every market environment. That's part of the reason I decided to buy into this company. It's because of the economic resilience of it. There's really no evidence that the recession in 2009 hurt Pepsi. They continue to grow their revenue. And even looking at their earnings per share again in 2009, they sailed right through it. There really wasn't much of a problem at all. And this is one of the qualities you should look for in a company that will do well during a recession. They need to have pricing power and pricing power comes with brand recognition. The next thing that I think is important for all investments, but it's also important during recessions, is having companies that have high returns on capital employed. For example, we can look at companies like Delta Airlines, ticker symbol DAL, This is a company that works in an industry that's unfortunately a low return industry. Delta Airlines has returns on capital employed of 4%. On the high end, it's 15%. It even got as high as 22% in 2015. These are very low returns on capital employed. Now, the problem is the cost of capital averaged over the past 10 years is around 8%. So all the years that Delta Airline earns less than 8%, Underneath this line, it's actually destroying shareholder value. But above this, it's actually creating value. The problem is, during a recession, the cost of capital typically goes up. Banks don't want to give loans. Creditors become more strict. And it's simply more difficult to give cash. So the cost of capital moves up from 8% to around 10%. And then that area in between of the profitability of the company, their returns on capital employed and the cost of capital, this margin gets smaller and smaller. So in a recession, you want your companies to have a high return on capital employed so there's more margin between what they're actually earning and what their cost of capital is. If there is no margin, no space between the two, if the cost of capital goes up at all, they're gonna have a very difficult time. So in order to prepare for a recession, focus on companies that have good brand value, focus on companies that have high returns on capital employed, and then number three, even more importantly, Focus on companies that have predictable, repeatable transactions. You can summarize this as recurring revenue. A way to think of recurring revenue is when you look at a company and you think about potentially going into a recession. Customers don't have a lot of money. They become more discretionary in their spending. They're more worried about their budget. They're worried about employment. So they're only really buying the things that they either want or the things that they either need. They're not just endlessly spending money like they are during the good times. When we focus on companies that meet these criteria, we look for a lot of companies that sell products that are basically indispensable. The biggest example I'd give of a company that has recurring revenue is Costco. Costco obviously has recurring revenue as a business because of its membership, but that's not even what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about the subscription model of Costco. When I talk about recurring revenue, 
I'm talking about the fact that Costco sells products that are so defensive that consumers cannot live without them. They sell your eggs and milk. They sell all the groceries you need. They sell cheap clothes. They sell gasoline and they sell food. So Costco represents all of the stuff that consumers need to survive at the best value possible. This type of company has very predictable, reliable customer base because it focuses on purchases that are repeat and predictable. And the revenue of this company clearly shows how predictable of a business it is. It almost always goes up with a little variation. There's some variance year to year, but it's nearly flawless. Even looking at the earnings per share of the company, you can see how predictable it is. There's many counterexamples to Costco. Cars are not really necessary, especially new vehicles. And during recessions, it's been proven over and over again that when consumers are cutting their budgets, they're not likely to buy new cars, especially at very expensive prices. So you can see the history of companies like Ford. In 2007, their revenue dropped dramatically. We can see the same thing in the earnings per share. During the 2000.com bubble, the earnings per share dropped. During 2006 to 2009, the earnings dropped. There's many times where the earnings drop with this company because the purchases are not repeat, they're not predictable, they're not reliable. People spend a lot of money on new vehicles when things are going well, and that's one of the things they cut back on during a bad economy. So when I'm looking for recession-resistant companies, I'm looking for the Pepsis, I'm looking for the Costcos, I'm looking for the companies that sell lots of repeat and predictable transactions, not the ones that are selling vehicles, not the ones that rely on blockbuster movies or big one-time contracts that are unpredictable. Now, number four is possibly... The most important, if you're picking out companies that you want to have survive a recession, this one is critical. Having minimal financial leverage. Almost every recession has something in common. A lot of companies go bankrupt. And we will see that during the next recession. If all of these predictions are right, that we're going into one in 2023, you are going to be incredibly surprised by the amount of companies that were pushing their gains too far into the excesses, taking on too much debt, and end up going bankrupt. It'll be a lot of companies that you probably don't suspect. The way to protect against this is by looking at the amount of leverage a company has. Even though this is critical to look at, a lot of investors gloss over this point. Debt is never a concern when the economy's good, when profits are flourishing. Debt only becomes a real concern for investors when things take a nosedive. But as an investor, you should be concerned about these things before they become a problem. We should be looking at the amount of debt our companies have before they run into economic difficulty. All my companies in my portfolio have very low amounts of leverage except for one. Disney's the only one that has a lot of leverage. I don't like the balance sheet of this company. I have other reasons for staying invested, but that is one major point I don't like of this company. Outside of Disney, Costco, Church and White, Pepsi, Nike, Estee Lauder, Target, all of these companies either have no debt whatsoever or they're running with minimal amounts of debt. So number four is critical. If you haven't already, pull up the balance sheet of your company, see how much leverage they have, and try to see if their total debt is less than three times their last year's EBITDA. If it's more than that, that should be a little bit of a cause for concern. The number five I also think is incredibly important, which is low cyclicality. I think one of the unfortunate things for investors that have started investing within the past 10 years is we haven't experienced a full economic cycle. Simply put, a lot of investors are getting caught off guard on going into a different part of the cycle. We no longer have easy money, low interest rates, and a loose monetary policy. Things are tightening up, and many people's portfolios are getting crushed as a result. Now, instead of trying to predict and prognosticate whether or not we're gonna go into a recession and precisely when it's gonna happen, I think the much better strategy 
is simply having a portfolio that's well prepared for any eventuality. That's what I'm doing with mine. I look for companies that have low cyclicality. The way that I did this was actually pretty simple. I simply brought up dozens of different companies that I was interested in. Then I looked at their historical earnings per share, and I used this as a rough gauge of the company's cyclicality. So we look at Costco as an example. The earnings per share is pretty smooth. I don't see much cyclicality in this company. We bring up Pepsi. The earnings are pretty smooth. I don't see a lot of cyclicality. We look at Texas Roadhouse. The earnings are pretty smooth. I don't see much cyclicality here. Even in 2007, Texas Roadhouse continued to generate profits. And this is part of the reason I'm buying into these companies. I've looked at other stocks that a lot of investors have recommended to me, but I haven't been as interested. AMD is one of them. When I look at the historical earnings of AMD, I see a highly cyclical company. It's simply too unpredictable, too volatile. Whether or not this company has a good balance sheet or a bad balance sheet, I don't have any confidence of whether or not they're really going to earn profits. Ford is another example. The earnings per share of Ford go up and down with the economy all through the different market cycles. If you're trying to time whether or not you're going to make money in Ford, you have to time the market cycle, which is something that I'm not interested in doing. And even other companies that are popular dividend investing companies like Ally Financial are ones that I've frankly avoided for the very same reason. Their profitability just ebbs and flows over time. They've been growing it recently, but it's still highly volatile. Another popular dividend investing company that I sold out of early this year for the very same reason is Home Depot. Again, a lot of investors have not lived through a full market cycle. So while Home Depot has done really well over the past decade, I think a lot of newer investors are forgetting the history behind this company. When the housing market crashed, Home Depot got crushed. It took a decade for this company to recover its revenue, a full 10 years for it to go back up in revenue. The earnings per share show the very same thing. The EPS spiked in 2007 and then it dropped for three years straight in 2009. Then it started to recover slowly and took over six years to get back to where it was. Because of the exposure to the housing market, which I think is highly volatile, I've decided to sell out of Home Depot for the time being. I don't consider this company to be that defensive. I don't think it will do really well during a bad recession. In fact, I consider Home Depot and Lowe's to be worse positioned going into recessions than most companies. And again, this is all because of historical data. Even if the next recession isn't as bad as the previous, I think these companies will struggle. Now, the next one after low cyclicality is that it usually returns capital. I like companies that pay a growing dividend or they do share buybacks. And I'll tell you why this is important during a recession. During recessions, the stock prices obviously fall as companies earn less and less money. And typically also the amount of buybacks they do falls dramatically. This is in 2007 to 2009. You can see from here to here, buybacks fell around 70%. They went down dramatically in the last recession. But part of the reason I love dividend-paying stocks is because they're far more resilient. Look how little the dividends fell in the same recession. From 2007 to 2009, they fell around 24%, about half as much as the market and around a third as much as the buybacks. Most dividend companies continue to pay dividends. The ones that really cut their dividend in the 2007 recession were financials, which are companies that if you're following the compounder checklist, you're likely not investing in anyway. So the amount of dividend cuts you should receive following this compounder checklist is minimal. Even if we go into recession, most of these companies should continue to pay a growing dividend. So that's my thoughts overall on the potential of investing during a recession next year. I can't say with any level of certainty that we're going to or not going to have a recession, but I can say that you should be prepared either way. In my opinion, out of these six points, I think point three through five are the most important. 
having that recurring revenue, minimal financial leverage, and low cyclicality. Those filters alone will lead you to stocks that I think will outperform during an economic downturn. In my case though, I'm looking at all six of these and I think that my performance will be better than the general market. In terms of performance during a downturn, we've already seen this play out with my portfolio. For example, year to date, I'm down 17.6%. That's $69,900, so that's a lot of money, but 17.6% isn't bad considering that right now the S&P 500 is down 21%. So we are marginally outperforming the S&P 500 during this downturn, and I think that will continue. In fact, my prediction is the worse the economy gets, the more relative outperformance this portfolio will have because of the strong focus on companies with very strong defensive fundamentals. So that's my thoughts overall on investing in preparation for a recession. In general, I think this is good advice that's even applicable to if we don't have a recession. Even in the case we don't, I still think that this portfolio will outperform. I just think it will do especially well during tough economic times. Now, if you have any other advice or any other comments that you want to leave, leave them below. I'll look at them. I'd be interested to see your feedback as well. So that's my thoughts overall. I hope you enjoyed the quick video. I'll have more content out next week. That's all for now.